0: Welcome back. We're starting a new series of Halachot, Ilchot Shevitat, Yom Tov, which deal obviously with the subject of Yom Tov. Very exciting, especially because we have Pesach coming up in uh, in about a month, so this is very, very relevant. Uh, Shevitat Yom Tov is, um, is mostly about Hilchot Yom Tov. It deals also towards the latter chapters. Towards the latter chapters, it's going to uh, talk also about what happens with Holamoid. It includes 12 misvot, 6 misvot and 6 6 affirmative precepts and 6 negative uh precepts, precepts to prescriptions to refrain from certain things. this is their um the, their enumeration. to not do any melacha the first day of pesach, not only to 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 rest on it, but also to refrain to, so to refrain from doing melacha and to not do melacha, two versions of the same um of, of the same commandment, really one positive, one negative. Same thing about the seventh day of Pesach. The same thing with the day of Shavuot. And the the elaboration, the explanation, the in-depth explanation of this, uh, of, of the shevita of these days, is in this perakim. So we have, again, 12 misvot, 6 ase and 6 lot ase, corresponding to 6 yamim tovim that we have min ha Each yom tov gets its own mitzvat ase, of resting from doing milacha, and it's some it's fat lotah of not doing any milacha. Halakha Aleph. Perak rishon halakha aleph. Shah tehamiha elusha salana katubas yat milacha, these six days which the Torah forbade to do any milacha on them, Shahan Rishon Urvi Aishala Pesach, Varishon Usmu Hagasukot, Ubiam Hakashabuot, the first and seventh day of Pesach, first and eighth day of Hagasukot. The eighth day really we call it Hagat <laughs> The one day of Shavu'ot, the first day of the seventh month, which today we call Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> These are called Yom tovim Yamim Tovim, the the important days. Let's call, let's use uh, important for Tovim as opposed to good days, which doesn't really mean much. <laughs> and the, the misva of refraining from doing melacha in all of them is the same. Shehen asurin. Bechol melechet avoda And they are forbidden on every, for, to, they are forbidden to do any melacha, any kind of transformative action of avoda that has to do with work, other than those transformative actions that are related to producing the immediate needs of the body, which is Tzorech achila. I'm translating freely based on the definitions that come later on. Shene as it is said, ach asher ye'achel lechol nefesh. So we have actually two kinds of pasukim. This is interesting. I learned this from Mishioir with Rabbi Sabato. One kind of pasuk says uh, kol aboda lo taasu. So sometimes when the Torah talks about what we cannot do on Yom Tov, it says you may not do any melechah that is melechet aboda. And Harambam uh, referenced this pasuk by saying Bechol melechet aboda, right now, which implies that melachah that is not aboda, namely a for achilah, should be okay. And then we have other pasukim also describing the kinds of things that we cannot do on Yom Tov, which don't discriminate. They just say, Kol Melacha, lo Yase bahem. It doesn't differentiate between avoda or lo but those pesukim also add a more explicit carve-out, however, that which is done for the food necessary for the nourishment of, of one's life should be permissible. Halakha <laughs> bet. Kol mehem Anyone who actually refrains, who rests from doing any melacha during that time is fulfilling a, an affirmative Shabbaton, Because the Torah also uses the word Shabbaton. As you recall, the word Shabbaton on Yom Kippur means something completely different. The word Shabbaton inspired hachamim to legislate, whether the oraita or the rabbanan, uh, people have an argument about, about what what the degree of these uh, prohibitions are, but it had to do with the, the rest of the ainuim that need to be to be done. In here, Shabbaton comes to 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 is interpreted by Chachamim to imply a misvat as an affirmative commandment to not do any melecha. Klomar shevot, namely, rest, stop, cease from acting. And anyone who does on those days a melacha that is not a melacha that is for food, food purposes. Like, for example, building or destroying and destroying, just to remind you, destroying is always destroying, I may not live not. Or to something or anything of this sort this person will have not only uh, transgressed a negative precept, prescription, but also refrained from doing, failed to fulfill an affirmative commandment of of Shavuot. And if the person does this publicly, in other words, in front of two witnesses who are not his family members, and after a uh, a warning, Lo this person gets makat, uh, gets Malkut, which is the generic punishment for violating melachot from the Torah. It, there is no sekilah or karet for violating melachot on Yom Tov. One thing about the kind of melachot that we are talking about: what does it mean? nefesh, nefesh um the magid mishneh says that this actually comes to distinguish between the kinds between the kinds of melachot in other words if you take the 39 39 melachot some melachot have to do with food with preparing food and some melachot have nothing to do with preparing food so if the melacha has nothing to do with with preparing food this is melechet avoda if it has to do with preparing food, it's not Malachet Avodah, and then you're only permitted to do it actually for the purpose of food. But that's basically a distinction um, that the Magid Mishnah makes. Halachah Gimel. Haosea avot melachot harbeh beyom tov behatra'ah hat kegon she u bana behatra'ah If a person transgresses many melachot, many avot within one hatra'ah, so he was warned, don't do this. You're about to be Hayav Malkut, it's Yom Tov today, and he goes ahead and does it, and he does, after doing one Melacha, he goes and does another Melacha, and then another, and another, all of different kinds. If this had been Shabbat, he would have gotten Korban Hatat for each of them. But on Yom Tov, um, not only is there no Korban Hatat, but also um, if he does this with Hatra'ah, he only gets one set of Malkut for all of it. LaShabbat, we divide Milachot uh, for Shabbat. On Shabbat, we we frag- fragment. We, we let the the be be separate for purpose of punishment. On Yom Tov, no, it's all within the same felony, the same prohibition of doing milacha, regardless of what kind of milah was done. And this, by the way, just to, to to throw out there a sort of philosophical point, r- just be reminded on Shabbat what we are commemorating, the reason we don't do melachot is because of Ma'al Bereshit and each and every melacha has its own aspect of creativity, of creation. Whereas on Yom Tov, the whole point is to simply to rest for the sake of resting, not for the sake of not doing any particular melacha, that, which is why also, it's consistent with the fact that some melachot are indeed permissible, although they have an aspect of creation in them. Uh, in other words, the ones that are for Ohel Nefesh. <laughs> Every melacha for which a person would be Hayav on Shabbat. If it was done on Yom Tov, not for Achillah, the punishment is makut. with two very notable exceptions: Other than carrying, transporting from one domain to another, and havara, havara means to actually ignite a fire, not to have a fire lit, but actually to start a new fire. be yom tov, hutra she'lo Because once ha-hosa'a, was permitted for torah Akilah. So, so think about the third Namilachot, right? So we have some Melachot that have to do with eating. For example, Bishul, Ofe, that definitely has to do with eating. Shehita has to do with eating. Some Melachot have nothing to do with eating, like Bone, Soter, Oreg, Aoseh uh, has nothing to do with eating. Now, some Melachot are hybrid. They may have to do with eating or not. And specifically within this group, the two most obvious examples are Hossaa and Hav'ara. You can be Mosi food from one place to another. You can be Mosi other things. You can be lighting a fire to cook or to prepare food. You can be lighting fire for other reasons. But Hachamim said that given that uh, the Hossa'a the, the and the Hav'ara are permissible for letzorech for when I am using them for sorech So too they are permitted for any other purpose. Therefore, it's permissible on Yom Tov to carry to transport anything, even things having nothing to do with food preparation or any other immediate need preparation, like transporting my child from place to place or a key for my house, um, or a Sefer Torah, and so on and so forth. And so too, it's permissible to ignite a new fire, even though it's not for purposes of Akhila. And all the other kol mutar. all of those that have tzorech Akhila, and again, I point out for the Magid Mishneh, this has to do with the kind of melacha. Not subjectively for this particular purpose, but generally, if this melacha has to do with achilah or not, kegon, bahem, like uh, slaughtering and uh, baking and kneading the dough and things of this sort, that don't have an aspect that is usable for food, asur ariga, ukhtiva, bahem, that is forbidden, like. Uh, like uh, sewing, or uh, riding, building, and melachot of that sort. Halacha: כל melacha שאפשר לה יום טוב אותה ביום טוב If a melacha was capable of being done from before Yom Tov, without there being any detriment, to the result. So, again, we are talking about the Milach totally permitted to do on Yom Tov. shahita say, or Afiya. But if in the particular circumstances at hand, it would have made no difference for me to do it before Yom Tov or on Yom Tov, then Midder Rabbanan Hachamim, prohibited doing it on Yom Tov, even if it is a Tzorek akhila. Why did, Why did they forbid this? This is a שאפשר ליום So that the person doesn't just leave everything that needs to be done, that could be done, to Yom Tov itself. And if a person is occupied on Yom Tov doing all of those He's not going to find the time to actually enjoy Yom Tov with Achila and Shetiyah, which are the main point of Yom Tov. Uh, we are going to say later that Yom Tov really is an opportunity that should not be wasted, on which we can study Torah. But the the most immediate, the most obvious purpose of Yom Tov is Achila, Ushetiyah, and Simcha. And for this same consideration of wanting to increase the simcha, Hachamin did not forbid hosa'a on Yom Tov. Hosa'a is a special case. Even though intrinsically every kind of transportation is something that if you had done it from before Yom Tov, there would have been no detriment. That There is no... Um, that it's not any better transporting something today than having done so yesterday. It doesn't become stale, the change in coordinates. So why did Chachamim not forbid this? This increases the simcha of Yom tov. And by the way, in my particular case, in my particular life, I can tell you, uh, my own children, they know that I don't take them often to Bet Knesset because I I don't carry on Shabbat. I don't push a stroller or or anything. As uh, anyone who's listened to the Shorim of Shabbat knows, I don't subscribe to the string theory. But on Yom Tov, they know I do, and it's it's a huge deal for them. It's a very happy... It really adds to the happiness and to the special uh, quality of Yom Tov. And uh, my child even... uh, as as soon as, yes, as, as early as yesterday, he was telling me that he's looking forward to Pesach to come to Tefillah with me because I'm going to take him on the stroller. Um, so I can definitely attest in very practical terms that this adds to Simhat Yom Tov. And Chachamim wanted for a person not to be bound, like in Shabbat, to be able to bring things here and there. In other words, in Shabbat, it's not as much a consideration to to, to be happy and to really uh, be, a, it's not a festive day as much as as Yom Tov is. And it shouldn't be like someone whose hands are tied. But other melachot that could be done for before Yom Tov, given, or so long as they have a little bit of, uh, or sorry, because they would make the person be occupied with them, it's forbidden to do them on Yom Tov. How so? What are some examples of this? Velo 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 a person may not harvest his field or do dishah, which is to get the grains and grind them, or zorin, or to take the grains after they are ground and separate the the, the good the goods from the bad. Velo that's after the grains are like on a plate, like when you take grains of rice and take the bad ones off. Making flour it's to filter to sift the flower. Why? Why don't we do any of these things? It's not that it's not a tsurachilah this should be permitted, but because it wouldn't we wouldn't lose anything by doing it from before Yom Tov, so it goes within it falls within the Gazira, and it's forbidden to do on Yom Tov as well. Aval. But a person might need and and bake and do shechita and cook on yom tov because doing them from before Yom tov is not as good as doing it on Yom tov when the food will be fresher. It's not the same to eat something that was cooked or baked today, like something that was something that was cooked or baked yesterday same for the meat the meat doesn't taste as good when the Shahita was done yesterday as if it was done right now and so to any other example like this also not only the actual food but things that are done as accessories to the food like all kinds of, of uh, spices and things to make the food better that uh, that it would they wouldn't taste as good if they were done from before. Like, for example, grinding grinding pepper. So on Yom Tov, you may take that pepper grinder and uh, turn it on top of your plate so you have fresh pepper from the from the peppercorns fall onto your plate. You can do that on Yom Tov. Like, for example, what we just said, to grind spices which make them taste fresher. Now, something else. It's forbidden to do on Yom Tov something for after Yom Tov. This is the opposite of what we just said before. We said it's forbidden to do on Yom Tov something you could have done from before. Now we're saying it's forbidden to do now something that you'll need only after. And the only reason Melacha was Permitted if you saw Chachilah is to be able to enjoy it on Yom Tov. Asak de lechol bi Tov ve'otir mutar lechol amutar b'chol. However, if you did something on Yom Tov and there was any leftovers, you are permitted to eat those leftovers after Yom Tov. Halacha yod. Memalei shak de Rabba Saraf apish enas sericha la lehaticha ahad, umemalei nachtom haviche lema'im af apish enas sericha la lekiton ahad, umemalei ishata nur pat af apish enas it's permitted a woman is allowed to fill up a whole pot with pieces of meat, even though they're only going to eat one piece on on Yom Tov. Likewise a nachtom, a baker, can uh, can draw a whole bucket of water to make bread even though he only needs a little bit of it. Likewise a woman can fill a full oven with bread even though she only needs one loaf. Um, And uh, a person may do meliha of many pieces of meat even though he'll only need one and so to any other example. And the rationale for it is that there are economies of scale. Things do taste better when they are made in large quantities. Um, I'm not sure, I've never tested that, I never tested that in today's uh, kind of ovens, in today's kind of cooking, if that still is the case, but it does make sense. There are many benefits to, to cooking in large quantities and it could be justified for that one piece that I'm going to eat on yom tov, that I do the whole pot, even though I know full well I'm going to eat the rest of the pot after yom tov, but this particular piece I'm eating right now is going to taste better as a result of my cooking the rest. <clears throat> <clears throat> if someone cooks or bakes on him Tov so that he can have something to eat that day or he invited guests and they, end up, they ended up not coming and there is leftover As we said before, it's permissible to eat that the next day, whether the next day is a hol, a a regular day, ordinary day, or Shabbat, so long as this is not done in a... You're not trying to cheat, to to trick anyone, which would be to trick yourself. And if a person cheated, and let's say that they then regretted having cheated, and they go and ask the Hacham what to do, it becomes forbidden. Even if this is Shabbat of after Yom Tov, now you might recall you are allowed to do ayruv tavshilin in order to cook from from Yom Tov to Shabbat. But uh, if if uh, if you just intended to cook something on Yom Tov without ayruv tavshilin as a way to cheat to have to have it for after for afterwards on Shabbat, it becomes forbidden. Hemim wanted to be stricter with someone who cheats more than a person who does something purposely, trying to deliberately violate something they know is forbidden. Uh, sometimes it it used to happen that an animal was about to become terefa, it's not yet terefa, but the animal, I kind of know that uh, it, it might or, or might not become soon sick in a way that is no longer kosher. So I want to do Shahita to eat as soon as possible. Let's say I realize some symptoms right away, and I want to do right away. I wouldn't be allowed to do so towards the end of Yom Tov unless I, I'll have enough time to eat some of the meat on Yom Tov itself and so to everything that is uh, of this sort of example. The permission to cook on Yom Tov, to eat on Yom Tov is only when the intended (coughs) recipient of this cooking is someone also under the covenant, someone under the Torah, a Jew, it's the same kind of person who is forbidden to do this, but I may not do this to feed someone who is not within the covenant, namely someone, someone who is not Jewish or, some, or someone who is not even human, uh, like animals. The Torah said, uh, you may have this exemption to cook something for you. So for you means, lachem uh, you means, Therefore, Chachamim forbade to invite Goyim to eat with you on Yom Tov, although you are allowed to invite them to eat with you and partake on the Sehuda of Shabbat, because there is a Gizera, if I'm cooking on Yom Tov, I might cook extra for this Goy who is coming, and I'm not allowed to cook for them on Yom Tov. <coughs> but if the Goy came uninvited, then he can obviously eat whatever they have because there's no longer a concern that they're going to cook. Everything is already cooked. There is no longer any concern. An animal that's shared as a partnership, half of it, 50% belongs to a goy, 50% to a Jew. It's permitted to do Shachita to eat on Yom Tov, even though in effect you are preparing 50% of it for a goy, and we said we're not allowed to do so on Yom Tov, but the Shachita is necessary for the 50% of the Jew. You couldn't have eaten any piece of it, whatever, even a kazayit, without that Shachita. In other words, although it's sufficient to the goy, it's necessary for the Jew. Aval, Isa Shechetial legoy Vechetial leisrael. Israel. However, if you have a dough that is 50-50, you may not bake that entire dough if 50% belongs to a goy, because you can simply split it as opposed to an animal and um, just bake the part that belongs to the Jew. Um, the army, this was very common in Roman times, legions would come, and would demand the the loyalty of the of the population and you better cooperate so they came and they they would want the whatever town they were nearby to bake for them and to cook for them etc so they they bring the flour to to the jewish house and they'd ask uh give me make me bread right now from this flour if if this kind if the relationship is such that this legion, this, this kind of soldiers would not mind if I took some of this dough and gave to my own children, like it's a more friendly relationship. is permissible to bake this bread for them on Yom Tov itself. Why is that? because every bread and bread, every bread that I'm making is potentially, potentially appropriate and, and uh, worthy and fit and capable of being eaten by my own children, which are Jews for whom I may bake. What about the a, a kind of bread that they used to make for, for dogs, um, which is very low quality bread. If <laughs> it is such that the shepherds, the ones who have the dogs the dogs used to be used for shepherding. if the shepherds themselves eat from it then afed b'yom tov then uh, it's for human consumption it's permissible to cook it on yom tov to bake it on yom tov halachat <laughs> tov ha'mevar shel b'yom tov la'goyim o la'behema o la la'chol eno loke she'ilu ba'u lo rochim hayotot tafshil ra'uy lahem if a person violates his harachot and cooks on Yom Tov for goyim or for a behemah, or in order to not eat that day, this is not a melacha for which you'd get Malkut, because if uh, this is forbidden only to him, but if others came on Yom Tov, they would have been able to eat it. If he cooked for himself and then there was any leftover. Then the leftovers not only are permissible for eating the next day, but are also permissible for the goim and for the behemah. So we have here a very clear category of goim, behemah, and hol, and the day after Yom Tov. All three have very similar halachot, if not identical halachot, in the sense that you may not do so, uh, but if there is any leftovers, it's permissible to use for that purpose. And this is why I translated Ochel Nefesh, not as food, washing and anointing, uh, applying some kind of lotion or perfume on, on the body. This is part of eating and drinking. This is within the same category of the immediate physical needs, by the way, the same kinds of needs that are forbidden on Yom Kippur. They are Tov, and one may do them on Yom Tov, including through Melachot. Shene Emar, Asheriah lechol Nefesh, Lechol Shebessorich Guf, Asheriah Lechon Nefesh is every physical need, um, including Sichan Rehisa. Lefichach, Mehamin Hamin, Beom Tov, Rehohes Bahem, Panavia, Daveraglav. Therefore, it's permissible to warm up water on Yom Tov, which is a Melacha on Shabbat, in order to wash one's face, arms, and legs, or hands and feet. Aval However, it's forbidden to do so with the entire body at once because of the gezerat of which we discussed in L'chot Shabbat. Tov. And if the water was heated from before Yom Tov, then this is permissible to use for actual bathing the entire body on Yom Tov itself because that portion of the Gezera was only made with respect to Shabbat. So how does this apply to today, to showering on Yom Tov, to bathing on Yom Tov? A few ways by which it's applied. First of all, you have to analyze whether the Gezerav Merhasaot applies to modern showers or only to something that's a Merhas? Unclear. Number two, uh, you have to analyze whether the Gazera of Merhas applies also to water that is heated by sources other than fire. Many uh, water heaters today are electrical, not, not uh, gas. Number three, you should analyze if. A water that was heated from before Yom Tov and is maintained hot through Yom Tov, like most boilers nowadays, if that is considered heated from before Yom Tov or heated also on Yom Tov itself, because it's continuously, there's a source of heat continuously applying heat to that system of of water. And finally, you also have to analyze what does it mean, uh, Kolgufo versus Panav Yadav Raglav. There is definitely analysis to be made and uh, and this should be decided uh, on uh, I, I'd say everyone should make their own judgment call investigate the issue and and make a decision it could go one way or or the other I think there is plausible arguments to be made to both sides finally uh, sorry finally what does hamin mean uh, does hamin include water that is, uh, cold to which a little bit of hot water was added, in other words, water, let's say, at uh, 90 degrees or so? Or is Hamin, um, in particular, something that is above uh, the, the Shi'ur of Rahisat uh, Evarshel Katan? Unclear. In any event, this is something definitely to look at, and you would start with this Halachat Ezzayn. Zayin Everything that's forbidden on Shabbat, whether because it's like a melacha, or brings some a melacha, or because of Shabbat, in other words, the last chapters of Hilchot Shabbat, it's also forbidden on Yom Tov unless it had an aspect of Ochel Nefesh, as we explained, and as we will explain, or it's something that was specifically permitted on Yom Tov. Likewise, what we call today Mukse, but that's not the word Harambam uses. Mukseh actually is permissible on Shabbat. And things that are not permissible to handle on Shabbat, Asulat Zetelob Yom Tov, it's for... Forbidden to handle also on Yom Tov unless it's for Sore and of the like. And everything that's permitted on Shabbat is permitted on Yom Tov. And with one exception, there is only one thing that is permitted on Shabbat and not on Yom Tov, and that is Mukse, to be distinguished from what people colloquially call Mukse on Shabbat, which is what Rambam just referred to. to we're going to explain Mukseen al Halachayot Chet. Mi she Yom Tov ha what What is the reason for this? Because given that Yom Tov is so much lighter than Shabbat in all of its details, Hamim wanted to have one detail that is more stringent, so people take Yom Tov more seriously and don't um, underappreciate its, uh, its seriousness. Halachayot Kesad, how so? What what, what does Muksem mean? And this is uh, obviously the opening of Mazekhet Besa. besim, a chicken that is about to lay eggs. harisha, or a an ox that is standing by to be used to to plow a land. بخ, also all kind of birds that are. In, uh, in the Shubach, in their nest, in other words, man made nests in, in someone's backyard. That's how they used to store birds and they take them on demand when they needed to eat them. <laughs> Fruits that are meant to be traded. So, what these things have in common is none of these are are really expected to be used on Yom Tov. <clears throat> All of these things are what we call mukse. Mukse means something that is set apart, something that was not, it's undesignated for Yom Tov. It's forbidden to derive any benefit from them on Yom Tov or eat them on Yom Tov, unless before Yom Tov, I designate them for that purpose and I intend to use them for eating on Yom Tov. Aval on Shabbat, However, on Shabbat, everything is deemed as though I I will use whatever I can use on Shabbat. So even if I have fruits in my house that uh, I I sort of maybe I'm thinking of, uh, of trading with them on Sunday, if I change my mind on Shabbat and want to eat those strawberries or whatever, I may do so. And I don't need to have thought about this before Shabbat. ואחרם שהמוקסה אסור ביום טוב, כה הנולד אסור. And just like the מוקsei concept of מוקsei is forbidden on יום טוב, so to the נולד, so to things that weren't even um, in, in in existence before יום טוב. Uh, this is the famous example of בsaş and נולד ביום טוב. חול מchin לשבת ו חול מchin ליום טוב, אבל en yom tov la shabbat shabbat ליום le if uh, in order to get out from or from nolad i need something called hakhana i need this designation this preparation of that object to be used on yom tov so this can be done either on shabbat sorry this can be done uh, on hol for shabbat or for yom tov but it cannot be done from Yom Tov to Shabbat, or from Shabbat to Yom Tov. Lefichach, because if you look Yom Tov, after Shabbat, a sura after Pesach, the negoit is omitted altogether. Hoi lo me'emesh Shabbat mechino tahal Yom Tov. If an egg was laid on Yom Tov that falls on a Sunday, this egg is forbidden. Why is that? Even if I had intended to to do shechita to the actual chicken. Tov. So the tabnegolith itself was not mukseh, but given that this egg really was ready, this egg was already ready on Shabbat, and I cannot say that this was hachana because en Shabbat mechin tov therefore uh, I, I, I'm out of luck with this besa and it becomes forbidden. Also, an egg that was laid on any Shabbat becomes Asur, not for the reasons you would think, not because of Shabbat itself, but a gezerah because of the Shabbat that falls after Yom Tov. And just like it's forbidden to eat this kind of egg, it's also forbidden to handle it. And even if this one egg was then mixed in a mixture of a thousand eggs i no longer know which one is that egg the entire mixture the entire group of eggs becomes forbidden why because it's called something that will come in time to become permissible. and hachamim said buddy just a little bit of patience wait until tomorrow it will become permissible we are not going to apply the exception of uh of majorities rendering the minority obsolete uh, obsolete or or nullified if all you can if all you need to do otherwise is just to wait a few hours (laughs) because tomorrow everything is going to be permissible everything that is going to in due time become permissible even when it's mixed in a million does not uh, become batel does not become um, uh newly find hasho hettar tov u masa ba ve if you uh, do shahitown on a chicken on yom tov and inside the chicken now you find fully formed eggs hade elu mutarot. now these eggs are permitted shenze davar masui tamit why hakamim did not include it the gezera because it's not a very common occurrence vedavar sheh masui elakeri lo something that is so e regular, something so infrequent, hachamim did not feel the need to include it in the gezera because it doesn't happen as often. Now, the rest of the halachot are going to talk about Yom Tov Shenim, which is very relevant, unfortunately, for those of us who live in Husla Ares, in Nathani Israel, Just a point about Yom Tov Shani shal Um, the, the real meaning, the real reason for Yom Tov is much more than just a calendar, and I'm going to prove it to you. HaChamim set the calendar and we no longer went by Kiddush Chodesh once we had that set calendar. In the times of the Amoraim, the early Amoraim, shortly after uh, Rav and Shemuel, they already started going by this fixed calendar. And yet, and sorry, and during that time, definitely they had the authority if they wanted to annul this practice of yom tov sheni and yet nevertheless they decided to keep this minhag which means uh, don't be so fast to think that the fact that we do today yom tov is some sort of a of an anachronism or is some sort of a, a a mistake that could be remedied if only we had a sanhedrin of course it could be changed if we had a sanhedrin but I'm not sure it would be changed if we had a Sanadrin. I'm not, I'm not sure I, if I were a member of Sanadrin, would vote to change it. And perhaps the meaning for Yom Tov Shani Shel Galuyot is in order to force us, those who live in Chos Ares, to realize that something is off. It should feel off to us. We go to Bet Knesset, we read the Torah. The Torah says, Vayom uh, YeLachem, uh, he doesn't say nothing about Yom, Yom, Yom Hashanin, Ka Kodesh and yet, the second day of Pesach, we find ourselves treating it as the first day. Something is wrong, something is off, something doesn't feel natural. And that is the way a Jew should feel outside of Eretz Yisrael, as though the mitzvot are not meant to be practiced outside of Eretz Yisrael. This may have been the reason why Chachamin decided to keep this practice, even at the time when they could have annulled it. And even at a time when it was no longer necessary because they were going by a fixed calendar, and everyone, everywhere in the world knew when Yom Tov should be. So, with that, we'll go to the Arachot. This, which we do of adding a second day of Yom Tov, is a Minhag in Husla Ares. The Yom Tov Sheni, and this Yom Tov Sheni, it has the quality, it has the, the severity. Of being the Rabbanan. And it's one of those things that was added to our practice after we were in Galut. And this is something that in Eres Israel is not done. And the only holiday in which in Eres Israel they do do two days is Rosh Hashanah. In and in <language> the book of the is going to explain the rationale of and the kind of doubts that they had and why the book of the the book of the the of this Yom Tov Shani, although it is from Hachamim, everything that is forbidden on Yom Tov uh, on Yom Tov Rishon is also forbidden on the second day. There is no difference in the on the halachot. There is only a difference on the degree of the violation, with a few exceptions which we are going to mention. Yom Tov vaFilush Shana Ben b'imlacha Ben and anyone who violates the second day of Yom Tov receives Makat martut, the discretionary punishment, corporal punishment by the Beddin, regardless of the kind of violation he made, Shavuot, Menachah, leaving the Tehum, and if it wasn't someone who, who we take a little more seriously because he knows Torah, we can even give him Nidui, which means to excommunicate them temporarily from the community. And just like the first one is forbidden to do hesped, which means to say eulogies for someone who passed away, or ta'anit, or fast, and it's uh, obligated to be happy on, so too the second one. And the only difference between them, the only difference between them is with respect to the someone who passed away. How so? If someone passed away the first day of Yom Tov, it Israel. so we should bury the person on the first day, the day that they pass away. But if it's on the first day, we have goim do so. If it's on the second day, even Jews can do so. That's the main difference between Yom Tovrishon and Tov Shani. Practical difference. And one may do all the needs for this uh, procession, for this uh, process, like uh, preparing the bed and uh, sewing the, 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 the clothes for the wraps for, for the for the body and and uh, cutting the, the besamim. The, the perfumes. For, with respect to someone who passed away, Yom Tov is just like any ordinary day, no restrictions apply. And this is all, also true with respect to the two days of Rosh Hashanah, which have a slightly higher status and they also apply in Eretz Israel. Elu tovim elu sh These two days, two serious days of Galuyot, Yom Tov Sheni, she So the first and the second day of each of these two days have two separate statuses. It's as if they were separate days from each other. They are not one unit. le davar Yom Tov Rishon, or Barishon. If someone was muktzeh the first day or came to existence on the first day, and then on that day, on that moment, I say, oh, you know what? I'm designated this. I hereby want to use this tomorrow, which happens to be on Shani. That is enough to designate it because it's a separate day. It's not the same unit. Kesad. How so if an egg was laid on the first day, it can't be eaten on the second day. If I was able to, by putting traps, setting traps before Yom Tov, or even on Yom Tov, um, catch some animals on the first day, so that becomes Mukse because it wasn't there when Yom Tov began, I may eat them the second day. Also something that was connected to the ground was with its roots. Let's say a fruit still rooted on the tree that I uprooted on the first day of Yom Tov. I may eat it on the second day. And one more exception, which is very relevant to nowadays for Yom Tov Shani, shen sham holi it's also permitted to uh, apply makeup on the eyes on the second day of Yom Tov, even though it's not for medicinal purposes. So ladies, you are permitted to apply makeup on Yom Tov Shani, not on Yom Tov Rishon, which is very helpful because for Yom Tov Rishon, you do so from before Yom Tov, and Yom Tov Shani, you can do it on the same day. Kafdalet, uh, last part of morim. <articinci> <gum> when are we saying that you are permitted to do these things when we are talking about every second day in Husla Aret? Aval Shnei Tovim Rosh Hashanah Kedusha Hathen Uhyom Ehm <gum> Hashovin Lehol Elohadim <gum> Ella Hamet Bilvad, Aval Uldabar Kulkoyot Sebaze, However, Rosh Hashanah, we treat the second day just like the first one. In fact, we treat them both as a unit. Uh, If something happened the first day, it's as if it happened the second day. The only, only difference that remains on Rosh Hashanah is with respect to someone who passes away, for whom we can do everything, all the melachot, if it's on Yom Tov Shani. Shabbat HaSemuchah Yom Tov, Shabbat that precedes Yom Tov. And... uh, The, an egg was laid either on Shabbat or on Sunday, which is Yom Tov, B'Sheni is forbidden on that second day. And so too, anything that looks like, that is of the same situation as the egg. V'afilu Nolda Tov V'afilu Nolda Tov Lo And even if this is a situation where we have Yom Tov Rishon Thursday, Yom Tov Shani Friday, and then Shabbat, and an egg was laid on Friday. I would think, oh, well, Friday is Yom Tov Shani, it's only a minhag, divres of Therefore, maybe this pizza should be permitted on Shabbat. No, even so, even though the Gezerah that we mentioned before applies, and this becomes Mukseh. And the next chapter, Perek Shani is going to apply, to explain, to elaborate on Hilchot Mukseh. In much more detail, with this we finish the first chapter of Ilchot Yom Tov, Ilchot Shevitat Yom Tov.